listening to the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Thanks for tuning in. You know what, Elliot? I've been noticing a theme the past few weeks, which is there's been a lot of Beyonce. Uh, Elliot, I like Beyonce Knowles. I, <laughs> I know you do, but I think one day you should actually do the little dance as well. I dance every broadcast, and you know that. Uh, that's I can see you, but not everyone else can. Oh, okay. uh, we do have webcams in studio as well. Newstalk1010.com is a website. You can stream the show live there. You can also, if you feel that it is remotely interesting to watch radio, then uh, you can do that as well. Some people actually do. Uh, sometimes people text in, and you can text in at 71010. And, but please don't comment on my hair or my clothes, because some people do, and I really don't care. What you think about what I'm wearing. Uh, I'm here for two hours tonight. Vinny White is away this weekend and next weekend. He's somewhere very warm and sunny, according to his Facebook status. So I'll be covering Vinny until uh, 10 p.m. this Sunday and next Sunday. Hope you'll stick around. I've also got some great guests lined up for you tonight and uh, a couple of really great giveaways as well. If you want to go out and treat someone to dinner, I have the contest, actually contests, for you, I've got two of them. Uh, coming up in the second hour, just to give you an idea of uh, why you should keep uh, tuned in, I'll have nutritionist Teresa Albert on the show. Uh, she, of course, is on the show quite frequently. So even if professionals like Teresa tell you not to diet, many of you are going to try anyway. You're going to try maybe the paleo diet or Atkins, South Beach, gluten-free. So knowing that, Teresa actually compared a bunch of the most popular diets and she has the pros and cons for each one and some tips on making them work for you so that you can at least uh, get some of the results that you want and uh, do it in a healthier way. And uh, I'll also tell you why you should care about food security and social entrepreneurship. These may not even be terms that you use in your daily life, but I'll talk to the founder of uh, Sea Change Magazine, about why you should pay attention to businesses and entrepreneurs who are trying to make a positive change in your community and why this is especially important for your family. So you want to tune in and uh, hear Elisa talk about that at about 9.30 p.m. tonight. Also, the Super Bowl is one week away. Are you cheering for anyone, uh, Elliot? I'm cheering for whoever wins. That You should bet money on that. I do, actually. I've won uh, quite a few Super Bowl polls or contests. Really? So anyway, I had to Google when the Super Bowl was. I wasn't quite sure I knew it was coming up, but I get it very confused with all the award shows that happen on Sunday night. So it's a week away, and uh, thousands of people will be flocking to Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, in the fall, I actually had to spend, uh, I got to spend a few days in Arizona, in Scottsdale, actually, which is just outside of Phoenix. And uh, I, I just, I loved it. I go to a lot of places that are, you know, kind of like, okay, or there's something nice about them, but I really, really did love Scottsdale. So I'll talk to someone from the um, Scottsdale Convention and uh, Visitors Bureau about uh, what's happening in preparation for the big game. And uh, if you happen to know someone who's traveling down to Arizona for the Super Bowl, uh, let me know. You can text in at uh, 71010. Also, because it's winter and it's dumpy, and it's cold, and people want to stay inside, they don't want to go outdoors, uh, I've got two chances for you to win a dinner out. So later in the show, I'll be giving away a $200 gift card to Key Modern 
Japanese and Bar, which is downtown at uh, Bay and Wellington, so very close to Union Station. And the other chance to win dinner comes courtesy of my guest here in studio, who's with me for the first hour, the co-owner and uh, executive chef of the Harvard Room restaurant. Uh, welcome, Corey Vitello. Nice to have you here. Thanks, Pei and Elliot. I uh, do <laughs> have to say I feel a little bit ambushed. I did not know about what the live cam feed the option. <laughs> Had I have known, I would have made a special trip to the salon, or at least well, you look great. You know what? In. You your clothes look pressed, and they're not stained. No, yeah, that's so something. I that guess. I feel like uh, you know is is pretty good standard to have. That's a win. It Coming is a win. The kitchen, I like is. to I like to surprise people with the webcam <laughs> thing. Actually, I'm all conscious about my posture now. <laughs> yeah, you're like, like oh, now I'm going to sit up. You know, my lift mom's your tuning in. Oh. <laughs> Slick your hair back a little bit. Um, so congratulations. You're celebrating seven years of uh, the Harvard Room. We are. It's been, yeah, seven years almost to date wow. and two years at our newer restaurant, THR & Co. So it's mm -hmm. it's almost a double anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you very much. It, it has been, um, yeah, I mean, seven years in the restaurant industry is, I mean, these are like dog years. So. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, uh, you know, in the news lately, we've seen a lot of really popular restaurants closed down. The, so, yeah, there are this year more than ever. And, mm -hmm. you know, when I first started working in the industry, there were not, you know, I, I came to Toronto to cooking 18 years ago. From where? From Brantford, Ontario. Big town Brantford. Shout I'm out proud to of my Brantford roots. Very As proud. You should be. Do A you lot of Torontonians back? from Brantford are like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm from Toronto. I've always been from I'm like, they okay, hide let's, their let's just cut it out. You're from Brantford. Do you still have yep. family there? I do. Family, very good friends, uh, and I get back as often as I can. Well, that's nice. I think so. That's good. Yeah, you got to protect like your hometown Brand roots. <laughs> Absolutely. We've got Wayne Gretzky, Alexander Graham Bell. Wow. A lot of history. You, uh, and I, I like how you know this because they're your like bragging points, right? <laughs> they to sell are. It. Everybody from Brantford has two things they go on. First one's always Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. Second one's Alexander Graham Bell. And you're like, so it's not such a bad place after all. <laughs> so you moved from there uh, to Toronto to cook. Were you cooking there as well or no? Uh, in Brantford? Yeah. I was, but at the time, I, I got into cooking when I was quite young, when I was 14. I started catering out of my parents' kitchen when I was 15. What? What were you? Who was hiring to, you to cater Mostly at 15? Mostly neighbors that were looking to take advantage of a 15-year-old boy selling like $2 meals. But what, it, was, okay, but it took what about a year you, before I clicked into that. What were you catering at 15? Were you doing sandwiches? Like I sandwich was really platters? into baking really? as a kid, yeah. And, I, and my, you know, I came from a family of, it was a, it was a very sports-driven family. Both yeah. my parents are teachers. Um, you know, so there wasn't there wasn't this big presence of we're going to have dinner and we're all going to sit down for a couple hours. It was right. very utilitarian. There was mm -hmm. you know a good amount of healthy food on the table at yeah. four o'clock, and then boom, four thirty comes. Everybody goes to do their own thing. <laughs> so I, I I took a lot of that cooking on. Um, you know, I was in sports as well, and yeah. But I, I for some reason I just loved the kitchen and I loved restaurants and and you know by the time I was fifteen I, I got this idea that I might want to be a chef. Um, and you know, there's not a lot of Restaurants giving jobs to fifteen-year-olds, unless you're washing dishes, mm -hmm. which is what I did when I was fifteen. Yeah, and I and even from that, I loved this restaurant energy. There's this kind of, I think Elliot was saying it's like a pirate ship. You yeah, Elliot <laughs> was riffing on some of his cooking experiences, and it is. It's yeah. this like dirty band of, of, you know, especially, but, especially in a small town restaurant. Mm -hmm. You know, it's this. You're you're really just working with your friends. Yeah. Then who was your food influence so I mean if you as a teenager were so interested in being in the kitchen and had this love for baking was it because there was someone in your life who I, kind came, of taught you yeah I came I mean a lot of it came from both my my grandparents on my mother and my father's side mm -hmm. they were both you know great cooks and my mom's a my mom does a lot of cooking 
as well. But it was, I, th I think for more than um, a personal influence, it was a restaurant influence. I just loved being in a restaurant. Even mm -hmm. when I was young, I would just, it was the most special thing to me. Um, and I, you know, I got into catering at 15 and then I started working as a dishwasher at a local restaurant. I mean, Brantford's not like Toronto. So if you want to cook in Brantford, I think at the time, the best restaurant we had was the Red Lobster. Right. Well, you know, there's fancy. not a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of places that, <laughs> well, you know, like young cook mom, and train at. Probably mom and pop places yeah, or great. chain chain restaurants, Yeah, they are. Right? And, and, they're, and they're great places. But I mean, really, I think, you know, the first, the first real kitchen job I had was about an hour or 20 minutes outside of the city when I was in my last year of high school. So, you know, my parents gave me their car and I would drive after work to work at this restaurant about 20 minutes away. And then I went to the Stratford Chef School when I was 18 and then moved to Toronto in that um, in that summer to start my apprenticeship at Scaramouche Restaurant. Oh, wow. So you've and cooked your way up in the city. I have. have. I, I mean, I started at Scaramouche, which at the time and still is considered one of the best restaurants in the country. So I was very fortunate to get into a great spot from the start. Mm -hmm. And I spent four years there. And then I traveled around for a couple of years cooking. And seven years ago, I'll just give you the Coles Nose version, we opened the Harbor Room. <laughs> yeah. And it's been, you know, it's it's been... You know, when you, when you get into a restaurant, you start working every day. You kind of tend mm -hmm. to lose track of of all time and space. And uh, the Harvard Room was your first like business venture of your. It like, was yeah. Your own. yeah. Yep. And, and my, it's done well. It's done well. I mean, it's a small. It was a very small neighborhood restaurant. And that's mm -hmm. all. That's what we try and be every day. I mean, yeah. we're we're about the community. You know, a lot of the success is totally dependent on the support of our neighbors, and we are so fortunate for that. And uh, you mentioned briefly, too, that you do have your sister restaurant, which is about two years old now. Right, THR & Co., which is mm -hmm. just uh, two doors down, literally. And which makes it easy. If you can't get into one, you can maybe try that's, to get into Yeah, the that's other. the idea. I mean, they're slightly, they're two different restaurants. THR & Co. is a little mm -hmm. more, it's a little more family neighborhood driven. It's a little bigger. You can come in with large tables, bring yeah. the kids, bring the grandparents. The Harbor Room's more of this kind of um, cozy little date spot that plays loud music and dim lighting. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, I think so. Nice and romantic as we talk about uh, like Valentine, Valentine's Day coming up. We're also going to talk about uh, the promotions that you've got going on to celebrate your seventh anniversary. And uh, Corey is also uh, kindly giving away a nice uh, dinner for two in February because you're doing a seven-course mm -hmm. tasting menu. And we're going to do that later on in the show. And we'll tell you, we'll give you more details about that. We'll also tell you how you could win dinner Uh by Corey with six of your friends. Right now, you're listening to the Paychen Show. Paychen.com is a website. You can find podcasts there as well as in uh, iTunes. And if you want to give us a call, 416-872-1010 or start 8255 on your cell phone. We are live. I'm here until 10 p.m. tonight. You can text in as well, 71010. is the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Welcome back to the show. I'm here until 10 p.m. tonight while uh, Vinny is away enjoying the sun and sand. I think he's in Nicaragua, actually. I think he's gone back because he enjoyed it there so much. So I'm here until 10 tonight. I hope you'll stick around. I do have uh, someone in studio with me, co-hosting with me for the first hour until 9, Corey Vitello, the co-owner and executive chef of the Harvard Room, also co-owner of THR & Co., the newer restaurant that you opened uh, next door. Uh, but you also, you told me just tonight when you came in that you're opening up a third spot. We're doing a, a chicken rotisserie and salad quick service concept at mm -hmm. Adelaide and Peter. So it's actually in a new building. There's a condo building that's just gone up there. Yeah, exactly. It's in a, uh, right on the northeast corner of, of Adelaide uh, at Peter. Mm -hmm. It's a new building. I 
think, I think it, well, it's a new condo building, so it's just been um, occupied. So we should be in there in about a month, I hope. But while we have the space, we should be open next month. So chicken, salad. Yeah, I think the real, one of the lacking things in Toronto is an abundance of great quick service food. Mm-hmm. A lot of other cities, I mean, we have some great options. We just need a lot more great options. So we, we you know, we're, we hope to add to this, uh, this healthy, um, you know, lifestyle movement of eating, mm-hmm. you know, really, you know, chef driven quality food on a quick service level. Yeah. So it's, I mean, our concept is literally custom salads. I mean, you know, beautiful greens from yeah, a chef perspective and, and a, just a perfect succulent roast chicken. I mean, that is my, my ultimate meal is, is a perfect roast chicken. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's, that's what we're going to be bringing. Uh, do you have a name for the place yet? We do. It's called Flock Rotisserie and Greens. Nice. Yeah, okay. So cute. look out for that in the next uh, month or so, right? Yes. Okay. Perfect. Um, so you, we had mentioned that you're celebrating the seventh anniversary of the Harvard Room and how challenging that can be actually for some restaurants in the city. Just the past year alone, we've had some really um, popular and, you know, critically claimed restaurants closed down, them, unfortunately. Yeah. And even just this past week, like Hudson Kitchen, for example, was yeah, a Hudson restaurant. Hudson Kitchen was a great one. Yeah, that got a lot of press when it first opened because it was a celebrity hotspot mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, I guess, what do you think it takes to keep a restaurant successful in the city? You know, some, sometimes, hey, there's no exact reason why a restaurant works and doesn't work. I mean, a lot of it comes down to, you know, the core foundational elements, great food, great ambiance, great location, you know, and then there's marketing behind that and branding that come into play. But I, I, I think overall it has to, it, there, there's an element in a restaurant which you can't really describe. It's just when you walk through the door, it's just, how do I feel? I mean, if, if a restaurant is going to, you know, kind of bring you in and wrap you up, you got to know that from the second you walk in the door and you got to feel like you're at home, you know, in your, in your own living room with your friends. And, and that's, that's a really hard thing to achieve. And for me as a chef, I would go back to a restaurant that made me feel that way before I would go back to a restaurant that had amazing food, but mm-hmm. I didn't really like the atmosphere. Right. And I, I think people um, underestimate the the rent in this city as well. Yeah. I mean, the rent high. and I mean, I'll tell you the toughest thing about a restaurant. And I mean, it's obvious, but you're, you know, you're dealing with a perishable inventory mm-hmm. and a very high inventory and it's a cash business. And lots of things go missing and swept under the table, you know, and, and there's about a thousand things that have to go right for a restaurant to be successful. I know rent's the bigger picture, but it's not, you know, it's not, it's not the be all and end all for restaurant success. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're paying a high rent in an area that doesn't get a lot of foot traffic, that's going to bury you. But I mean, if you're where we are now down, downtown, you're going to mm-hmm. pay that high rent because you're going to get the foot traffic walking by right. and that should balance out. But it is. It's you know a lot of a lot of landlords are jacking rents up, and they really they're they're strangling these smaller restaurants that are really no more than mom and pop shops. Mm-hmm. We're essentially a mom and pop shop. Um, I know that's a, a loose term, but it's you know we're a small independent restaurant. And we yeah. depend on the community to support us. So thankfully, we you know we. We're in a very supportive neighborhood. So let's talk about uh, some of the contests that you got going on because our listeners love a chance to win. And you've been doing a social media contest for the month of January. Yes, so this one is wrapping fun. up, right? Yeah. We, we, so our anniversary is actually next week. Mm-hmm. And we're putting together a it, – it runs through the month of – or it's been running up until February. And it's a seven-course uh, prefix dinner of our favorite dishes from the past seven years. And the contest is you tweet a picture or your favorite memory of the Harvard Room and a chance to win 
uh, dinner in your personal home with yourself and six friends. Compliments of the Harvard Room, and I will be cooking. It's in their in home? In your kitchen, yes. I didn't know that. Yes. I thought it was in the restaurant. No, no, no. I'll be in your home, in your kitchen, live. So you will go to the winner's house. They can invite six of their friends, and you're going to make dinner for That's them. That's exactly how it works. Wow. Big dinner, customize it to whatever their likes are. Real? That's yeah. a great prize. Right? So that's the one where people need to either on Twitter or Instagram. Yeah. So the handle is um, or the the hashtag is Harvard Room Seven Numerical Seven. Yeah. And you tweet a picture of a dish, share your favorite memory, and then in the I believe the first week of February we're going to um, draw from that lot of entrants the winner, and okay. I will show up in your house and cook. Uh, and an option for people who haven't been to the Harvard Room but still want to mm-hmm. enter is that they can uh, go – there's a photo of your famous burger from the Harvard Room. <laughs> That's and going viral. It has yes. to be unique. Well, you they... cannot steal a photo <laughs> from somebody minute, else have, and pass it off I as yourself. I have rules here. I'm, you know, can... I'm, I'm coming down on that right no, now, Pei. I don't know says... who made these rules. <laughs> it says that people can repost the image of your famous burger to Twitter or Instagram because perhaps they haven't well, been there ridiculous. yet. They can <laughs> – the rules say that you can repost the photo of the burger in case you, you know don't what? have your original, your we're, own photo. We're, we're going to start fresh on this one. No repost. <laughs> no repost. No well, repost. all right. Have you re- did you repost something? I What? No. Did you, are you going original? Have you posted anything? Uh, I was going to look for the photo of the burger, well, better, but now better I feel kind of bad about it. At least Photoshop it. Photoshop me with the burger in front of me uh, and some nice candlelight. Uh, so, what else? so you'll bring everything that you need for dinner, basically. Everything. I literally will do everything, even the cleanup. You'll do the dishes? I'll do the dishes. Oh, fantastic. It's a great prize. Um, so that's running until the end of January. That... End of January? I, th- yeah. I, I, okay, I, th- I think the exact date, and we'll put it on Twitter, but I think you have up until the first week of February to get your... Um, Entrant. Yeah. Okay. So the photo. So again, the hashtag is Harvard Room Seven Numerical Seven. Okay. The Harvard. The Harvard Harvard Room Seven, not the. Or is it the? It's the. I I really need to start looking at my sheet. What's in front of me here? You know what? Why don't I I thought this was just a running list of jokes (laughs) I'm supposed to use. So it's hashtag the Harvard Room and then number seven. uh, Yes. And uh, and then as you mentioned, you have for the month of February the seven course tasting. Seven course, seventy-seven dollar tasting menu of all of our favorites over the past seven years, and not only our favorites, our customers' favorites. What might some of those be? I sadly, we're not going to put the burger on. You can't have a burger in a tasting menu. It's going to fill you up. Yeah. But you know, we've 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 had um. You know, my current favorites, we do a lot of beautiful fish dishes. That's always been our thing. Um, you know, the we, we had one dish when we first opened that was a hit. It was this Spanish-themed uh, clams, calamari, Ooh, chorizo. Nice. We make the smoked sausage in-house, a romesco sauce base, piquillo peppers, marcona almonds, so dried shaved olive. That's one of my all-time favorite dishes, and it has not been on the menu in about six years, so I mm-hmm. think we'll bring that back. Nice. So we're actually um, going to give a listener a chance to win uh, one of a dinner yes. for two, the seven course dinner. Not right now. Don't call right now. We'll you do can it later now in the too. show. I'd love to talk to some people. <laughs> if you want to talk to Corey, if you have a question about food or cooking or something like that, or just want to comment on his hair or what he's wearing because you're watching on the webcam, you can do that. 416 872 1010 star 8255 on your cell phone, or you can text in at 71010. But we will do the giveaway for dinner uh, later on. In the show. So uh, before the break, we had mentioned you talked about how you had started your own catering business at the age of 15 and how long you've been cooking as well. Who do you look up to in terms of cooking? My my idols growing up were, you know, the, the first book that really, you know, that really blew me over was was Charlie Trotter's cooking. And that was when I was 18. Those, you know, I think any any chef working in the late 90s was all about Charlie Trotter. Mm-hmm. 
Now it's it's more, you know, it's the peers, it's the people that I work with every day and work beside, uh, the guys that I've grown up in the industry with. You know, it's, you know, I, I draw most of my inspiration and most of my, you know, my love for the industry from the people that I'm, you know, my, my, my peers in Toronto. And it's, it's just, it's a really great city to work in and, and work alongside some tremendous cooks. Now, when you go out to eat, where do you like to go? I stick to my neighborhood haunts. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I said I, I, I'll go to a place where I just feel special, I guess mm-hmm. is the word. Um, you know, a lot of that comes from getting to know the people at your restaurant. You know, I love going to a place where I know who's on the floor, who's in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and my friend's restaurants, I, I, I really love uh, the one now being Dilo, who, mm-hmm. and Tom yeah. Poppin and Nick Liu being two of my oldest and dearest friends in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, always, you know, Bar Isabel's a great spot. I think if I'm really going to blow it out and have that fine dining experience, which I don't that often because, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't really have three hours to kill many nights, but <laughs> Splendido Restaurant, yeah. which is right across the street and unbiased, mm-hmm. I, I honestly think it's some of the best food in the city right really? now at that level. I really do. Wow. And Scaramouche is a timeless classic. Um, do you prefer to cook at home if you can or you? my I do. My girlfriend cooks a lot at home. I cook a little bit. I'm, I'm more into at home. It's for me. It's anything I can do in 20 minutes or less, and I can do a lot in 20 minutes. But I'm what's not, your go-to? My go-to: mm-hmm. a quick one-pot pasta, um, or anything, any kind of. My go-to is I, I love chicken thighs. Love chicken yeah. thighs, like a, just a crispy fried chicken thigh, mm-hmm. uh, and then I'll braise it down in the pot with just olives, tomatoes, lots of garlic. Um, Good olive oil, fresh herbs, slap a lid on it, you know, 15 minutes, and then you have this beautiful, tender, greasy, olive oil drenched, you know, these fragrant olive orange flavors. Any Anything anything kind of Mediterranean in one pot, I'm, mm-hmm. that's my that's my jam. Um, have you ever, have you ever put something on your menu that you loved because you thought, you know what, this is really amazing. And had it, and it and didn't go it over? not, yeah, do well. Yeah, I, yeah, and then that's, you know, and that's a big part of growing up in, in a, in a restaurant, you learn to cook for your customers and not yourself. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, of course. I mean, you you know, when you're cooking every day, you fall in love with these ideas and you think you've, you're really onto something. Um, and it's really hard to come up with a unique dish in a restaurant now. I mean, you think you have something that's entirely your own or your restaurants and then, you know, you type it in on Google and, oh, okay, it's on 50 other menus. Mm-hmm. Great. So when you get this one thing that you're really proud of and you put it on your menu and the customer doesn't like it, it's it's just a, it's a punch in the face. Um, and it really, it <laughs> when really the deflates comes you. comes back and, and the food's still yeah, there. And you're or, like, oh. or the first remarks, like, well, they didn't really like that. I'm like, well, okay. Did you try, so try it again? back to the drawing board. <laughs> and you'll, you'll try and, you'll, yeah, you'll, you'll try and tweak it up. You'll, you'll try and switch it. But sometimes you just got to. You got to know when to fold your cards. Yeah. Uh, my guest right now uh, until 9 p.m. is uh, Corey Vitello, the chef and co-owner of The Harbor Room, also THR & Co. and the new uh, rotisserie chicken and salad place. Yes, be Flock opening up. Rotisserie and Greens. Yeah, coming up uh, downtown. Uh, you still have a chance to win dinner for two at The Harbor Room, which is coming up later in the show. Uh, we are kind of getting close to Valentine's Day, which is not a holiday I particularly celebrate <laughs> often. I sort of forget about it. But after the break, Corey and I will tell you about an app that lets you create a boyfriend or a girlfriend should you need to. I don't mm-hmm. know if you who needs to, but want, you, some people want. might. Yeah. yeah, or want to. <laughs> if you need to do need or want to do that, we'll tell you about that. Also, you'll never guess how much YouTube's highest paying star makes. I'll, here's a hint. It's a couple of million dollars. Paychan.com is the website. We'll be back in just a few minutes. More with Paychan.
on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, you know what? Uh, because Valentine's Day is coming up, I guess we're, what, two weeks and a bit away? Um, if you want to impress someone with a really beautiful meal and you want some advice, you can always ask Corey. <laughs> Corey Vitello is here in the studio with me until 9 p.m. He is the executive chef and co-owner of uh, The Harvard Room, celebrating their seventh anniversary, which yes. is a big deal. Um, so, it, you know, if you have a little question, you can call in 416-872-1010 or star 8255 on your cell phone. You can also text in as well, 71010. I'm here until uh, 10 p.m. tonight, actually, covering for Vinnie White. I totally forgot. Happy Robbie Burns Day. I don't uh, even know what that means. <laughs> it's it's the day of Haggis. It's the day of celebrating <laughs> Robbie Burns, great romantic poet. Um, have you ever had Haggis? I have. I've had Haggis that's tolerable. I mean, Haggis is one of those things that has such a bad rep, but I, I think nobody's going in to eat Haggis wanting to love it. But some people do love it. Okay, so haggis is a Scottish dish, and I had to print this up because I couldn't remember everything that was in it. Uh, it's made of the heart, liver, and lungs of a sheep or lamb. It's mixed with oats, other herbs, and spices, and then it is cooked in a casing that is traditionally made out of the sheep's stomach. So As bad as that sounds, <laughs> from a chef's perspective, it actually sounds quite lovely. I mean, I'm sure everybody's had something... if. If you were to eat haggis and nobody described it to you, yeah, and you said it was a beautiful sausage. It's a beautiful. I'm sure you'd be more inclined to love it. Yeah, but most people go into it thinking, and there's a lot of foods that have that stigma. But if, if you were to blind feed somebody haggis, chances are they're going to find it actually pleasing. But like this is a very mouth pleasing. Yes. Sausage. Spleen. Mmm, delicious. Heart, liver, lungs, all the things that go to waste. <laughs> but, these, but these things are in sausages all over. That's true. These are the prime ingredients of, of charcuterie. In and so many restaurants, people don't know they're in them, and they just eat them and love them. Uh, you know, it's funny. I had a, a chat with um, Rob Gentili from Buka, yes. and he was telling me how, uh, like, lamp lampredet lampredo mm -hmm. is a whole, that's the sandwich, the Italian sandwich that's made of um, tripe. Yeah. And he was saying how he doesn't tell people what it actually is when they ask. He just lets them eat it <laughs> the first. Stomach lining of a cow. Yeah. And then he says it's it's made from it's from a cow. And he doesn't he just he says he doesn't lie to them. He just doesn't tell them what it is. And it's, then they think it's delicious. You have to tell people what they want to hear. Yeah, he's like, and then afterwards I tell them that uh it's, you know, cow stomach and, and sometimes they have a good reaction, sometimes it's not a great reaction. Um I found this story online, actually, it's been making the rounds this week because of Valentine's Day coming up. Um it's a new app that's launched and it's called Invisible Boyfriend or, or Girlfriend. Or girlfriend. Invisible girlfriend. It's it's two different apps. It lets you create a partner who will send you realistic texts and even appear in photos with you. So it's 20 I think you pay extra for the STD. You do pay a little bit extra for that. <laughs> the app is about $25. And uh, you create a profile for your significant other with like all these details. So you can customize your invisible boyfriend or invisible girlfriend, basically. And then you create like a cute little story about how you met. And also, you can have photos. So in our social media age, you can upload on Twitter or Instagram a really cute photo of you and your fake boyfriend, girlfriend. You sound like you're endorsing this. I kind of think it's not terrible. I think you terrible. should spend the $25 right yeah, now $25. on webcam and show everybody what we're talking about. <laughs> exactly. So, I, okay, I'll throw it out to listeners. Is this a good idea or a bad idea? You can text us, 71010. Give us a call, 416-872-1010. Start 8255. Could anything possibly go wrong with the idea of having a fake boyfriend or girlfriend? 
a lot of people have them anyway, and they don't get <clears throat> those text people are messages. also called crazy. <laughs> but this this <laughs> app lets you look. So you're at work, and you're like, "Hey, Sally, do you want to go get a coffee? Let's go. I'm just gonna bring my phone because maybe Jeremy's gonna get in touch with me." And Sally's yeah. like. If it's oh. from that angle, that's from a very manipulative <laughs> angle. There's there's apps that you can get to get you out of situations that are similar, yeah. like fake call, absolutely, fake text. This could be along those lines. I, I I would be fine with it. Yeah. So then you're like, hey, Sally. Oh my gosh, look, but Jeremy's it, so sweet. Look at this text mess. And then it's and then she goes, oh my god, he just sent a text that says like, oh, I miss you. What do you want for dinner? And then you can text back and forth. This app gives you, I'm going to tell you, 100 realistic texts. That's a lot. 10 voicemail, so you can also, when you're at work, you can be like, hey, hey, Sally, did you finish that report? Come over here. Listen to this voicemail he sent me. It's really, it's so nice. And you can play it. And, and Can you pick real. your own voice? Um, I don't know. Maybe they have to work on that. They probably need volunteers to be, to record that's, see, that's the voice. That's where it gets intrusive. Well, Somebody's really screwing with you. No, no. Well, okay, so this is ideal, apparently, for people who want, I guess, Maybe keep some family off their back, which I can relate to. Um, so, you, you know, maybe you've got that nosy aunt or somebody who's like, what's wrong with you? You're going to be a spinster. And you're like, no, don't worry. I've got this partner. Uh, also, the the flip side of this, the app creator says it's also good for people who want to get rid of someone. Like if you, he says, if you have a class three clinger and you want to get rid of this person by saying, you know what? I've kind of, I'm already in a relationship and you can like show some of the history. You hate this idea. I, I mean, from a guy's perspective, I nobody, I, I cannot think of one person that would ever use this that is not just completely loony. <laughs> I can't. If I, if I had a girlfriend, yes, I mean, not in a relation sense, and I found out somebody who's using this, it is intervention time. Like if I hope the app developer is not a close friend of yours. No, he's not. But I think he's pretty smart. I think he is uh, too. Users... This is going to end in. I mean, somebody go, is going to have heartbreak. Whoever can't afford to pay their iPhone bill is going to get cut off from their <laughs> imaginary boyfriend or girlfriend. They're going to be heartbroken. It's going to end in disaster. Something terrible is going to happen here. The invisible boyfriend will That's basically right. ask for money. It'd be like, yeah. you need to renew your membership. This is the part that I think is going to go bad is if you are a user, you are welcome to submit a selfie so that you can be someone else's fake partner. But what they do is they get you to enter your po your zip code. It's mm. in the States. So that uh, your photo isn't used by someone who lives around you. Mm. Yeah. So this if you're a user, healthy, your photo could be used, uh, let's say you live in California, um, somebody in Boston is using this app and needs a fake girlfriend. You could be his fake girlfriend. I think too much is shared mm. on social media. That's going to come back to you. That part is creepy. But you also get a handwritten note. There's something a, a little handwritten rom note. romantic about it. It's like the movie Her. It is like the movie we Her with Joaquin yes. Phoenix. Yes. He writes these beautiful letters um, that people think their partners have written. It's all a shit. And all for $25 a month. Or is it one time $25? It's $25 right now. Uh, that is a steal, people. Um, it is a steal. I'm just letting you know that you could have a really romantic person send what you text What happens on Valentine's Day? Do they ramp up their game? Well, I suppose you could maybe request to have Flower 99 sent. of your 100 messages mm -hmm. sent to you on Valentine's Day. In the future, they will include other services, which uh, like having flowers sent to you. But you can do that on your own. You can send secret admirer flowers to your own office. Not because I've done it, but because I'm I know it's that easy. I'm scanning the office now for flowers. And I'm going to read the cards <laughs> out loud and see what's really going on here. Like, dear Pei, from your <laughs> secret admirer. And that'll, and um, yeah. Well, then that's just fine. Are you doing anything special at the restaurant for Valentine's Day? You know what? We don't 
really blow up holidays yeah. at the restaurant. Um, you know, we'll do, you know, we, we keep it every day for the regulars there, you know, so yeah. we don't, we don't alienate people who want to come to the restaurant and maybe they don't have a date. So if you want to do something special, come into the restaurant, you'll have a great time. Uh, if you're just a guy looking to have a burger at a bar, hey, you you're not going to feel too. out of place. Yeah. So uh, for the month of February, you're doing this, the seven course tasting menu, which we, we me mentioned, mm -hmm. but it's, you also have the regular menu. So with the regular menu and we're doing the tasting menu, but it's only full tables that can have the tasting menu. See, one guy can't have a beer uh, and the other guy go for the tasting menu or right. you're going to be completely left out. Okay. And for Valentine's Day, I will say, and I'm going to say what, no restaurant owner should say. Whoa, wait, this hold up. This is big. Corey Vitalo. This is big. Everybody, everybody listen. Get a pen. Write clipboard, this down. Write this down. Take I'm a voice memo. Okay. Do not yep. take your significant yep. other to a restaurant. It is incredibly lame. Cook at home. <laughs> I own two restaurants and I'm saying that, people. <gasps> I'm sorry for other Torontonian restaurants or Torontonian <laughs> restaurant tours if I'm sabotaging your business. But if you really love your girlfriend or boyfriend and you want to do something special, mm -hmm. cook at home. Why do you want to eat amongst people? Why, why do you want to eat? Grab a movie, watch The Bachelor, whatever yeah. you want to do. Okay, but what? But I think it's also because some people don't feel like they're great cooks, so they want to pick it's a nice okay. restaurant. okay. There's no wrong so movie to make your, in a kitchen at home. Okay, then it's what like, is your suggestion for someone to make a really nice, impressive meal if they don't feel like they're the next top chef? Okay, I think every... Every man or woman should have one go-to meal they can make and kick out, and it's well, foolproof. Well, sometimes it uses the microwave. That's okay. Well, no, Is it it's fits? not. <laughs> it's <laughs> all who you're cooking for. <laughs> okay, so that, but would you if have you a like suggestion? If you like eating salad or the bowls that have Cool Whip on the side, then you're just fine with microwave food. <laughs> but what would you do? Like, what would you make? I would, I would do something quick and easy. If you're not, I mean, everybody has a cooking's common sense, and then the hardest challenge for people to get over when they're just starting to cook at home is that they overthink the process and they try to do something too complicated or they get a recipe with too many steps. Just, you know, stay in your own lane. If you, you know, if you're new to cooking, stick with an easy, simple recipe. Just work mm -hmm. with a few ingredients. Um, you know, and, and just go simple and, and easy and don't try and uh, complicate what you're doing. But every, I think everybody should have one easy go-to meal. Yeah. So something that you've That's ideally just, done yeah. before. I feel like ideally maybe... Ideally done before and you're comfortable with it. It'll impress the parents, the girlfriend, the boyfriend. Just... Yeah. But don't go out to eat. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm a firm believer in, you know, I mean, my... I love restaurants for the experience, but mm -hmm. I think some things are better shared one-on-one. -on -one. I think Valentine's Day is one of those. You know, it's a very... And, and I mean, I know my business partners are probably like, get this guy off the air now. <laughs> cut it, pay, cut it. But I truly think that Valentine's Day is, is No, is I best agree with you. Home. I think it's, you know, I think, uh, you know, people go out for the experience of also not having to cook. But um, it is nice. It's nice to have food made for you. Like I yeah. will happily eat something um, that's not amazing just because I didn't have to cook it and if i don't have to do the dishes uh cory vitello is my guest in studio right now he is the executive chef and co-owner of the harvard room and uh, thr and co and now that your introduction is very long because now you've got the new chicken flock was it <laughs> i know let's just go with the harvard room and thr all right so that, that'll work uh and uh he's sticking around until nine uh coming up we're going to give you a chance to win a dinner for two of with his uh, seven course tasting menu in february you're listening to the page 10 show here on in depth Radio News Talk 1010. The Pay Chen Show continues on In Depth Radio News Talk 1010.
right. Uh, thanks for tuning in. It, my guest in studio is uh, Corey Vitello, who is the co-owner and executive chef of The Harvard Room, also of THR & Co., the restaurant uh, next door. Uh, you know what? We're going to give away that dinner for two very shortly. Mm -hmm. uh, but I found the story online. I was just talking to Corey off air about it. I don't know how much time you spend on YouTube ever. Like, do you ever go on YouTube to watch stuff? I do, actually, quite a bit. What do you watch? A lot of music videos and a lot of, you know, there's a lot of how-to videos we like. I mean, whenever we're experimenting with a new cooking technique or a new product oh, yeah. we haven't used, the first thing that'll come up, of course, is a YouTube demo. Yeah. So you go online, check it out. Yeah, it's the new cookbook. Yeah, you're right, actually, because people just, even if you don't know how to, um, I don't know, truss a chicken, you're like, how, yeah. how do you, I do that? And it's then you a can great watch a video. resource for little cooking tips. Um, it's a great resource for many things. So, you know, listeners, if your kids spend too much time online or you think they're making and uploading like just useless little videos, you might want to encourage them because uh, a story came out this week that reveals the highest paid YouTube star. And this person actually um, has more views than Taylor Swift's channel, although Taylor Swift is in the top 10, along with a few other celebrities. But it turns out the woman who makes or who made $4.9 million last year on YouTube is a woman who makes videos of her unwrapping Disney toys. It's just a shot of her hands and a toy. Most of the time, it, apparently it's, it's Disney toys, but sometimes it's other toys. And it's just her taking the toys out of the packaging. Apparently, this term, I hadn't heard of it, is called unboxing. Yes, the unveiling. Are you familiar with this? I thought this was only when something requires intricate steps to put it together. Now, the people watching this, I think if there was a, re a reverse cam, that would really... We need, we need to see the demographic, we demographic need to see who's... of the people watching this. There's something yeah. very creepy going on here. Well, she Hand has... Fetish. I know, it's crazy. Her highest performing video has over... 178 million views, and that was her opening a box of frozen-themed Play-Doh. 178 views. Million. Million. Yeah, I forgot the million part. Um, but no one knows who she is because the, the video is just of her hands, which apparently are always well manicured, and it's her hands, and into the camera frame, she brings a toy that's in a box, and then she just opens it with her hands, and then she puts the toys on the shelf so you can see them, and that is it. That's all she does. She just, she opens toys, and she makes $5 million. I think, I think about to expose the creepy underbelly of the toy industry. And that's... Corey made a good point that maybe it's somebody with a hand fetish, Of too. course it is. Who else well, is watching this? It's not It's not 178 million views of hand fetish. I think there might be, Pei. You're really you underestimating the hand fetish market. <laughs> that market? Probably. Uh, so the, re the how people can make money on YouTube, because usually you post it and you don't really think that there's a way to make money. People who do well on YouTube with their channels can actually sign up with this like partner program. So it runs ads. And you might notice that sometimes when you're trying to watch a video on YouTube, you have to watch a little ad at first. So uh, some of these YouTube channels, they just share the profits, basically. So if you get enough clicks on your YouTube channel, uh, YouTube makes a profit, you make a profit. So she's had enough clicks that she makes almost $5 million a year. And apparently, um, unboxing videos are very popular, not just hers, but there are other channels where people do things like they just show themselves opening a box of shoes. That's exciting. That's very exciting. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know what I'm doing with my night tonight. <laughs> I cannot wait to get home. Get home and like watch <laughs> unboxing videos. Like, I want to see. These are the same people getting the online girlfriend and boyfriend. It's all the same it's shenanigans. <laughs> There's such a huge market out there, though, yes. to make money. There's even people who just open up like a package of big pens. Yeah, if you're and watching, apparently, if you're watching this stuff, chances are you do not have a significant other. And well, you might be interested in the app. Maybe we yeah. should circle back to that. Only twenty five dollars to have an invisible boyfriend or invisible yes. girlfriend. I Nobody to interfere with your time watching people unwrap gifts. But you know, with their I guess hands. the the practical side of the story is that. Um, they say that a lot of parents actually and kids want to see if a toy actually what it really looks like. So they go online and they yeah, go we'll, like, we'll you know, say that. what does sure. this look like? And to keep it G rated, we'll we'll say that what that's that's, that's why people that. are watching because they want to see. Corey does not really believe that side. I don't of things. believe that right. side. Okay, of things. Uh, Corey, what's the password you use most online? Me personally, yeah, uh, one, two, three, four. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I wasn't even. No. <laughs> no. Oh, come on. Hey, I, was like, I don't. I'm I was, not disclosing that. I'm uh, sure. Trying to corner ah, a little bit gotcha. more. Uh, there's a list that came out. I of think one, the, two, three, four was on it. One, probably one, two, three, four, five, six is That's actually it. the top. I saw that same list. Password uh, for 2014, but apparently it's been in the. It's been at the top for a couple of years. The second most popular password is password. Makes sense. So, uh, anyway, this list comes out because, um, guys, don't use that as your password. It's terrible. It's a, it's very unoriginal, uncreative, and you know anyone... my one factor is when I'm trying to conceive my password. What if somebody else, if I have to tell somebody else my password, I do not want to be embarrassed by it. Oh, that's a good point. I always stick to that rule because it's always you always have an emergency where somebody needs a password. Yeah, yeah. Your yeah, mom, like, your girlfriend, your friend. Your I need to get in. What is it? Yeah. Just make sure it's nothing that's going to embarrass you. That's my only rule. So this they. Um, this list was compiled by Splash Data. They basically found the 25 most common passwords found on the internet, making the making basically the worst passwords list. They compiled this list from more from over three million leaked passwords, which is kind of terrifying when you think about how often accounts get hacked or stores. Like if you do any sort of online shopping and you create an account. Uh, and then that site gets hacked, you're screwed because then your password's out there. So from over 3 million leaked passwords, they were able to put together a list. So just some tips. This is my public service to everyone listening. One, two, three, four, five, six, terrible. Password, terrible. Baseball, also awful. Dragon, also terrible. Dragon is amazing. Dragon is the ninth most <laughs> common terrible password. Football ranks at number 10. Number 12 is monkey. Monkey is not a good password. Someone will steal all of your money if you use monkey. Uh, also, number 16, Mustang. Good car? Good car. Terrible password. All these password. seem like guys' passwords. There's no no girls at home using Mustang and it Dragon. It could possibly and... mean that women are better at passwords. Maybe. Just maybe he's going to suggest that. Uh, anyway, that was my public service announcement to all of you. Corey, you are giving away dinner for two. Yes, I am. All right. In the restaurant, this one is not in your home. <laughs> no, that's the social media one. So, um, the it's dinner for two, so it is se- uh, valued at seventy-seven dollars a person. Yes, but I mean, yeah, the the real value is just exponential pay. I mean, come on, it we is. cannot it's put a, we cannot per, put a personal dollar amount on on what it would be worth of a a select meal 
cooked at the Harbor Room. I'll even ramp it up. We'll throw in wine pairings. Let's let's get it up to like three hundred dollar really? value. How about we say that? Really, you're gonna throw in wine? Yeah, pairings? let's throw in the wine pairings. That's really nice. Two of people, you. seven course tasting menu with wine pairings. Wow. So we're three hundred dollars. You know what's happening is your business partner and your publicist absolutely oh, hate that hate you're me. on radio. I, I just <laughs> I, I decimated everything that has to do with Valentine's Day at the restaurant. Okay, we're so gonna he... be dark. <laughs> now I'm upping the prizes. So here is the thing. I want the third correct caller, 416-872-1010, star 8255 on your cell phone. Call in. Elliot uh, is on the lines right now. And you have to correctly tell us the name of the Harbor Room's sister restaurant. Sounds good. All right, because that one is celebrating their second second year anniversary. And uh, you will win the seven-course tasting menu for two people plus... Wine pairings. Yes. So we're three hundred dollars. That is an end up. That end is a up. beautiful prize, and uh, so this is only taking part in or uh, happening in February. So this is when you will have to go and have your dinner, and uh, doesn't include tax and tips. So just be very kind and generous to the person who is serving you. Um, so again, four one six eight seven two ten ten star eight two five five. Elliot, I'll put them on the line if we have some. Oh, the phone is so far away. Elliot, tell me if you, there is somebody. Quite have anyone yet. So the whole deal is you have to tell us the uh, name of the sister restaurant, the Harvard Room, and that might just happen during the break, actually. Um, that's a great prize, actually. I you think really, so. You've really bumped it yeah. up. Why don't you take a minute and call in? <laughs> 416-872-1010, star 8255 on your cell phone. Just tell us the name of the sister restaurant to the Harvard Room, which we've said a couple of times tonight. It's not too hard to figure it out. Um, and you will win this lovely dinner for two people during the month of February. And uh, make sure you give Elliot all of your information as well. Uh, Corey, it's been really fun having you in studio. Thanks, Pay. This was a real pleasure. <laughs> hopefully, I, <laughs> hopefully I'll have me back. I will have you back. What are we going to talk about next time? Oh, so many things. Daily topics. What I are gotta, your I have, to, I have to brush up on my jokes for next time. i got to write a jokes? whole new script. Yeah. I blew through all my good material tonight. Oh. <laughs> I need at least a month to recoup. When you come back, we can have chicken. <laughs> yeah, we will actually. Because You're it'll right. be down the street. I will cater a little studio lunch, and then we'll go right into it. That'll be fantastic. Did you have a name one. for your catering company when you started at the age of fifteen? I did, and it was very embarrassing. What I thought it was, was it? Cute. It was CCC Corey's Culinary Catering. I thought it was so clever. Triple C. Triple C. That's pretty. You should amazing. have seen the logo. It was, it was pretty epic. You had a logo? Yeah, it was really just three overlapping C's that I hand drew, <laughs> but it was it was legit. That is fantastic. I love it. Uh, so check out the Harbor Room if you like, and also don't forget about their social media contest. You can find details online. The hashtag is uh, hashtag the Harbor Room. Seven for your chance to win dinner in your home with six friends and Corvitello, and he'll even clean up. Uh, and I'm here until 10 p.m. Um, back for the next hour. Coming up after the break, nutritionist Teresa Albert will uh, talk about the pros and cons of some of the most popular diets. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and uh, I'll be back in a couple minutes. Opinions are celebrated. The Page Show on News Talk 1010. I love it. 
opinions are celebrated. New liners for the show. New introductions. Thank you so much, Elliot. Celebrated. D- digging that out of the vault. Uh, thanks for tuning in tonight. I'm Pei Chen, in for Vinny White, so don't worry. There's no confusion. Nothing bad has happened. Vinny is on a holiday for two weeks, so I'll be filling in for him tonight and next Sunday. So thanks for tuning in and uh, sticking around. Uh, I want to congratulate the winner um, of the contest that we had with uh, Corey Vitello. Uh, Let's see, Derek from Toronto has won that wonderful dinner for two, the tasting menu for two in February, along with the... um, the wine pairing, you're very lucky, Derek, because originally there was no alcohol included with this dinner. And still to come, actually, on the show, I have another chance for you to win a fantastic dinner out. It's a $200 gift card for Key Modern Japanese and a bar. So it's a great restaurant uh, downtown Toronto. It's very close to Union Station, so if you don't live downtown, it's actually very easy to get to. It's a uh, Bay in Wellington. Uh, wonderful Japanese food there as well. So keep listening Within this hour, I'll give you a chance to win that $200 gift card. And um, also coming up on the show, I had to pause for a moment. I'm not sure if you're excited about the Super Bowl. A lot of people are. It's uh, not something I typically follow, but I do tune in because I like the excitement of it. I like seeing the halftime show, uh, that sort of thing. But uh, because it's happening in Phoenix, Arizona next weekend, um, there's going to be a lot of people sort of flocking to that area and uh, a few months ago I had the chance to visit Scottsdale Arizona which is just outside of Phoenix and um, I really didn't know what to expect I thought it was just desert you know some cactus nothing crazy but I really really did love uh, my experience there and um, I'm going to talk to someone from the Scottsdale Convention and Visitors Bureau just about the preparations that they have for Super Bowl because that's kind of exciting and also uh, just to let you know about the great things that they have in the area because it is a nice warm weather destination it was 26 degrees and sunny there today so it's a nice alternative if you're thinking of getting away for you know part of the winter and most people think of islands and beaches just another option tell you about that later on in the show and even though people tell you you should not try fad diets people do it anyway truth is you're going to try a form of a diet and you know see how that works for you so i've got nutritionist teresa albert on the line uh, her website myfriendinfood.com hi teresa hi how are you Pay? Uh, I'm hanging in there, T. I know that we're going to talk about a couple things. First off, we're going to start with um, a list you created. You compared a lot of the popular diets that exist right now. Yes, and, and let's celebrate some opinions about <laughs> about the diet. Right, because uh, you list pros and cons. I mean, I know generally m- most people who work in any sort of um, you know health field say, aren't quite fond of a particular diet, but uh, there can be some things that work about each of them. Yeah, I think, you know, I think really at the, this time of year, everyone's sort of trying to figure out how to lose weight and get healthy. And, and of course, you can quickly lose a few pounds no matter which quote-unquote diet you choose. So making a change is kind of, you know, kind of the first step. And we can go through, you know, some of the more fad-ish ones. Yeah. And I have to admit, I'm, I'm tempted to try some of them, too. Like, I look at these things and go, okay, what's with the bulletproof coffee? What is with the bulletproof? Okay, <laughs> bulletproof coffee, because not everyone might, might know this, but it became very popular because of people eating uh, the paleo diet. The paleo diet is sort of also called the 
caveman diet, right? So where you eat, right. you don't eat, um, you don't eat as many grains, right? Is that it's it's a lot of meat, a yeah, lot of meat and veg and and fruit, which is not much fruit, not much fruit. Oh, not much not, fruit. Okay, not much fruit. No. Um, so the paleo diet, the, people are sort of insistent that we are we come from cavemen, which is true, um, and what the caveman ate would be appropriate for us. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's some pros and cons to that. The cavemen wouldn't have eaten a lot of meat. That's the issue, right? Oh, like, okay. The cavemen would have eaten, you know, there'd be one kill for the village every couple of weeks, right? It's not meat three times a day. Mm-hmm. No grains, in theory, because they were pre-agrarian people. They didn't grow their grains so much, so they got their carbohydrates from vegetables and, you know, a little bit of fruit in season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the theory kind of holds true. The problem is we are human beings who have developed over time. So our stomach enzymes are actually able to digest, you know, the foods that came after cavemen. Right. That's the thing. Like, your body does adapt. So saying that this is the truth and, you know, the only way is is pure crap. (laughs) Um, And the the bulletproof coffee thing is, you know, again, that kind of has some merit, too. So Okay, but let's, let's... Tell everyone what bulletproof coffee actually is. Yeah. Okay. So it, it is black coffee mm-hmm. with some grass-fed butter and some medium-chain triglyceride fat, so a coconut oil type thing stirred into it. So in and of itself, not a huge issue, right? Coffee is actually good for you. and We know it's good for the liver unless, until the, you know, the caffeine starts to cause you problems. You know, mm-hmm. it's good for you. Same with the, with the coconut oil. It's a good fat. Same with the grass-fed butter, higher in omega-3s than, than the regular, you know, or the conventionally raised butter. So none of these things are bad for you. The issue is if you're adding, a, you know, a tablespoon or two to a cup or two, you're talking about 300 extra calories of pure fat. And that's so, just with your morning coffee. Right. And the theory is that it's you know, sets up your brain for more energy and, you know, the caffeine and the antioxidants in the coffee. It's great. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it makes you less hungry. Maybe, I don't know. Try it. And see. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, unless you're replacing some of your crappy calories with those good calories, you're still at the end of the day getting too much fuel and not burning it off. Right. So it's not a magic bullet. Okay. So the bulletproof coffee, I think, is, well, it's quite a fad, but it's, I don't, I mean... Maybe it's not adding a huge benefit to your life? Well, the, the foods of themselves are adding a benefit. Mm-hmm. I can't refute that. They're good. They're three good things. But they're also adding a lot of calories to your right. life. Okay. So, you know, what I want people to do is really take a look at, and I know it's so boring. It would be awesome if I could say, you know, bulletproof coffee standing on your head, you know, will make you lose weight. But the truth is you've got to read labels. You've got to know what you're eating. You have to, you know, track your food. Those kinds of tools actually work. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing, knowing the bottom line, right? Yeah, and I and I know that um, you 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 really want people to pay attention to reading the labels of their food yeah. because no matter what di- diet you decide to do. So you talked about the paleo one, for example. Um, is there another one that stands out to you as? In the diets, well, before we leave the labels, people, you know, again, people sort of, you know, we want a magic bullet. We want something that's quick and easy to do. And it's true. Standing in the grocery store aisle takes time to read the labels. 
One of the tools that I use is the new Loblaws Guiding Stars system, and mm-hmm. it's right on the shelf where a third party has created this algorithm so you don't have to, saying this is, you know, fiber gets a star. Too much sodium, you lose your star. So there's sort of a, you know, got it, need it, plus minus system, quick glance, and then read the labels at home. Still, you've got to know what you're eating. You've got to eat around the perimeter. All of these things are true, mostly fresh fruits and vegetables, and you'll be just fine. So when we're reading labels, because now I, I look at labels and I used to always look for calories. And then yeah. I started looking, well, no, I started off by looking at fat. I'm like, oh, how much fat is in this food that I'm eating? And then... That was the 80s. Right. And then I started looking <laughs> at calories because someone said, no, you should be looking at calories because some of your low-fat food is actually very high in calories. Yep. So then I started looking at that. And then, and then um, now I look at um, fiber. <laughs> yeah. So well, I get so of, confused. And all of those things matter. Really, the key thing is to read the ingredient list. Mm-hmm. It should be short. And any salt or sugar should be, you know, toward the bottom of the list and whole foods at the top of the list, whole grains, whole foods at the top of the list. That's just your packaged foods. Of course, all fruits and vegetables would have three stars. Right. There's nothing bad in that, in that category. So, you know, when we look over time at all of the diets and all of the results, the Mediterranean diet comes out as a winner because mm-hmm. it's high in those fruits and vegetables. It's low... In refined grains, you want the whole grains, um, and you, you get a little bit of meat, you know, lots of fish, lots of oil, lots of nuts and seeds. These are the foods that we know are good for us over time, but we've got to look at the whole picture. Right. Right? We're getting away from, and even some of the um, health systems around the world are getting away from saying you need X number of grams of magnesium to, you know, to flex a muscle. We're getting away from that. We're talking about whole foods. Oats are great. Dates are great. Nuts and seeds are great. They're all high in magnesium, which is also great. So you got to look at the whole picture and eat mostly those foods and, and augment with the packaged goods. Right. Now, can we quickly talk about um, the pros and cons of the Atkins diet? Because I feel like this is one that even listeners will text in whenever I have like a nutritionist on and say, well, I want to do this one because I hear it works, which is the high protein, low carb yep. diet. I, again, very similar to paleo, mm-hmm. high protein, low carb. It does work. You can lose weight. The issue is once you've lost your weight, what does your body want to do? What was the set point of your body? Because if you just go back to eating, you know, carbohydrates mm-hmm. after you've lost your 10 or 15 pounds, the weight will come back on. Right. You need to change in, a, in you know, a healthy lifestyle way and watch out with Atkins. Yes, um, you need, you know, a lot of protein in that diet, but you need to look at where you're getting that protein from. Is it coming from bacon? Mm-hmm. Or is it coming from fish and lean chicken? Right. Okay. That's where you have to, you know, you've got to lean in that direction. And then you'd be okay on Atkins. Same with South Beach. With you South know, Beach? South. How is that different? Well, very similar to Atkins. You start with high protein, mm-hmm. low carbohydrate, lots of fruits and vegetables. But they all have sexy names. Yeah, it is a sexy name, South Beach. They're, yeah, they're all they're all just sort of sexy names, sexy <laughs> ways to try and, you know, say the same thing that we've all, that you know, your grandmother's been saying for years. You know, eat fruits and vegetables, pay attention. I tell my clients when when they're trying to lose weight to log absolutely everything, and they have to give me their password. (gasps) 
Well, Ooh. I just talked about the worst passwords of all time, and one, two, three, four, five, six is the worst. Yeah. Do how many yeah. of your clients use that one? No, they don't. Oh, they, that's good. Yeah, no, they don't. They use uh, they use their pets. They use their pets uh, a lot. That's also something you're not really supposed to do, but okay, it's yeah. better than you know yeah. using yeah. password as your password. Um, yeah. Thanks so much, Teresa. I appreciate your time. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Faye. That's nutritionist Teresa Albert. If you want to find out more information or get in touch with Teresa, you can visit her website. It's myfriendinfood.com. Coming up after the break, I'll tell you about social entrepreneurship and why that's a term that you might start to hear about more and why you should care. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. I'm here until 10 p.m. covering for Vinnie White this weekend and next weekend. PayChen.com is a website. You can also catch podcasts there. We'll be back just after this quick break. This is The Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Pei Chen. Website is peichen.com. That's where you can go to find out more info. You can also find uh, podcasts of the show there. I'm in for Vinny tonight, and uh, I'll be in for him next weekend as well. Vinny is off on holiday for two weeks, so thanks for tuning in and for sticking around. Have you heard the term social entrepreneurship? How about food security? you don't know what that means, it's okay. I was also a little confused, but they are terms that uh, you might hear more of, and they're also things that you might want to be aware of and know how they affect you and your community and your family. So to fill me in, I have the co-founder of Sea Change Magazine on the line, Alyssa Birnbaum. Hi, Alyssa. Hi. So let's start off with the term social entrepreneurship and social entrepreneur. It sounds really great, but I'm <laughs> even when we had a brief phone conversation yep. this week, I wasn't entirely clear what it actually meant. Interesting. Um, to be honest, the, the definition is pretty broad. So you're not the first to be confused. Oh, so, good. <laughs> um, but that's all good. It's a good place to start with definitions. And the truth is the social entrepreneur is basically someone who recognizes a social problem and they decide to tackle it using entrepreneurial savvy, entrepreneurial principles, business models, sort of a new way of looking at social problems. Um, and a social entrepreneurship, just the term itself in, in a broad way, is, is, is sort of addressing social challenges um, with, with, uh, with business you know, savvy um, and, and tackling them from, from different ways. It's, it's, it's just taking those social challenges and turning them upside down and saying, how can we approach this um, a more entrepreneurial fashion? Now, what kind of problem, you know, might that be, just as an example? So many issues going on right now. I mean, mm-hmm. like, if you look at, uh, I mean, you mentioned food security. There's, there's issues, obviously, there. So people are, there's 4 million Canadians currently that um, a recent study said are not getting enough food on the table, not getting affordable, healthy food on the table. A million of them are our kids. I mean, that's the, what the numbers just show. Wow. So that's, that's one of the main issues that, that we look at. Um, how are entrepreneurs, social entrepreneurs, um, what kind of ventures are they uh, are they launching? Are they initiating that are tackling this issue of food security? Um, you know, there's so you know there's a there's a bunch of different individuals doing very very fascinating different things. Um, and one of the things that that social entrepreneurship, the sort of at the heart of it, is this element of that you can take uh, a profit model and take you know this this business model and you can meld it with a social cause. And that's sort of the the beauty of it all is it, is it, it doesn't have to be exclusive. So these people are tackling social issues and still. Um, establishing a profitable, 
venture in the process. Um, so, yeah, so food security is a big part of that. Um, there's uh, finding jobs for the marginalized, finding, uh, you know, employment opportunities. There's, um, you know, helping uh, Aboriginal communities in terms of their level of sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, there's issues here at home. There's issues in, you know, across the world that people are addressing. There's one, there's a coffee company, for example, here in Toronto called Clink that is part of the St. Leonard Society, and they um, they basically create a coffee, uh, a coffee shop, coffee, yeah. and it's all towards helping former inmates um, wow. find opportunities and training and oh. stuff like that. So, so it's this really is a, cool. This is a coffee shop that exists in the city. It's or? actually they started little pop-up shops, but they're yeah. a coffee company. So they create coffee and they find different places of distributing, and, and but they also just started a little pop-up um, place where they can be found. Yes, but you, they distribute coffee, so it's. It's uh, and they they provide training for individuals who have just gone out of uh, of, of incarceration and mm-hmm. and they need opportunities and need uh, hope for their future and they they offer it to them. So, you know, there's a woman who uh, her name is Kim Smiley. She has a a, a jewelry design company. She mm-hmm. creates jewelry and she hires marginalized peoples and gives them a gives them a living wage and promotes them in terms of giving them training and employment and they help help create her jewelry for her and this is just her business and but she's doing it in a, in a socially conscious way those are great examples because i think uh it can be tough to sort of wrap our heads around yeah. um a social issue that we don't really know if it affects us but i think well i drink coffee and if yeah. i have the choice of drinking a coffee that um you know helps someone in my community or helps someone who is trying to make a difference in their life well i would choose that coffee over you know this other coffee that is perhaps just for profit for a large corporation. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, um, yeah. And you've created a magazine, so it's called Sea Change Magazine. Right. Uh, tell me about that. So Sea Change started around uh, five years ago. Um, I uh, co-founded it with uh, a fellow uh, editor-journalist who we were doing a lot of writing in the nonprofit sector, and we um, just started, you know, seeing the issues of uh, – a lot of issues, social challenges were not being met, not being addressed. There was constant, um, you know, government cutbacks and economic downturn, and, and, and a lot of these, uh, you know, individuals that were trying to um, help solve these ch- uh, social challenges were not being able to do that. And then they started coming up with entrepreneurial um, approaches and, you know, new way of looking at things and a new way of approaching it. And, and, and people even for-profit world were starting to get into this. How can we take our for-profit business and how can we help meld it with social consciousness? And it just became a really interesting, um, you know, area of focus. And mm-hmm. so we decided we needed more stories. These are good stories and inspirational stories, people doing really, really positive things. Um, and so we decided to start this digital magazine um, featuring all kinds of interesting stories, whether here at home and abroad. Um, we do profiles. We do features. We have, hmm. you know, book reviews. We have uh, <laughs> You've got everything on, on there. What? Sorry? You've got everything on there. Everything on there. Um, it's, it's been good. It's, it's, we're getting great traction. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Now, tell me about some of the stories that you know, you've shared that really have gained a lot of traction? Uh, I think some of the big ones, like uh, the one, there's this individual um, who runs a Liberté. I don't know if you know much about a Liberté. It's a, if you ever heard of them, they actually also, there's a, it's a shoe company, basically, oh. but they, they're based here. Mm-hmm. However, they're, um, they created this factory 
in uh, in Ethiopia, and that what they're doing is helping Ethiopians uh, with jobs and uh, getting them training. And so the the factories hires obviously only those individuals in, in Ethiopia to who help sort of develop this middle class in uh, in the country. That's what he's trying to do. And all every single element of the the, the shoes are all created out there, and he sells them worldwide, um, based like I said here in Toronto. Um, and what's it called again? It's called Ali. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a it's a really it's a very it's a wonderful story and he's you know for profit business but with a total social mission at its heart and he's been pushing it and doing really well with it and I've written about him a few times actually um, as he sort of evolves and develops um, it's a wonderful story. I think um, most people probably what they purchase for themselves like yes. clothing shoes and such we know that it's made abroad that's why it doesn't cost us a lot of money right um but we know oftentimes at some of these stores we're aware that the conditions um that these workers are um in yes. are not usually favorable and that's why you can buy a shirt for five dollars exactly and so but he's he's sort of countering that by mm-hmm. creating his own factory he's making sure that he has all the you know everything is in in the quality standards and quality um, you know care and making sure that everyone's taken care of and they have a living wage and that um, you know there there isn't any of those issues that they might have otherwise. So right. he's in total control of that. Well, that's great. So I yeah. think it's nice. To, it's important for people to know that these options exist. Absolutely. So it's not even that you know you have to uh, you know shop. From with this retailer or, you know, buy this particular product. But at least if you know that it exists and it is a better option, then, you know, you can sort of choose to spend your money where you want. Uh, I know that you have an event coming up shortly that people can attend. We do. The event is uh, on food security, which brings us back to our original uh, Mm. part of the conversation. And uh, there's going to be four different uh, experts, social entrepreneurs, who are uh, working in the field of food security. They're doing a range of things to help um, create a more uh, secure future for people with, in terms of affordable, healthy food, getting it onto the table of their kids, of the families, and um, also pushing for better policy so that there is a better um, just a, a approach to, to how we distribute and consume um, and uh, our food and you know, agriculture, everything. This, yeah. it, it sort of encompasses a lot of different elements. But yes, that's that's happening on the third um, at. Uh, can I say where? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> the Center for Social Innovation and Annex. Um, there's there's two locations here in Toronto. Three um, actually. And people buy tickets to go people to that, right? Okay. Yeah, they could just go online and uh, buy tickets, and uh, it should be a great event. It's actually sponsored by Whole Foods Market, which is amazing. Um, so. Uh, it's nice to see a lot of the corporations coming on board, um, supportive of this uh, of food issue and in general issues, social challenges in general. So, yeah. And if, so where can people go to buy tickets? If oh, they go. They can go on to Sea Change Magazine, um, mm-hmm. and they can just it, – it's, it's listed there right there. It's, it's called Setting a Secure Food Table, um, and it, it'll bring you to the link on Eventbrite, or they can go on to Eventbrite and see mm-hmm. the link there too. Now, I guess my last question to you yeah. is um, – because you're talking about food security and that yes. how there are a lot of people uh, in Canada alone who, you know, don't know where their next meal is going to come from. Yeah. They can't – you know, they have trouble making ends meet, um, probably aren't having three meals a day. But for a lot of people, you know, I think myself included, I think, well, you know, I I am food secure. Right. So people who are uh, fine in terms of being able to have, you know, and afford meals for them and their families, why should they care about food security? I think 
You know what? I think there's a couple of reasons they should care. Number one, I think it's just a general sense. That it, it seems to me we're growing uh, as a community, as, as, as a global world, that we care more about the person next to us. And we don't really know what the next person next to us is really like. We don't know if your kid is in school that the, the student right next to him might, might actually not be um, haven't eaten uh, breakfast that morning. We have no clue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just nice to care about, you know, I mean, it's nice to care. It's just we do care. We yeah. care. We, we're, we're people. <laughs> we're human beings, right? I think the other element is that food security doesn't only entail, you know, affordability, which is a big part of it. It's also how we can grow a a, a better, sustainable agricultural system for ourselves and eat healthier. You know, even if you eat well, you might be, there might be a lot of uh, food that you're eating that is not sustainable, that is not Mm -hmm. healthy for you. So it sort of encompasses all those elements. And I think there's a variety of reasons why we should care for that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, thank you so much, Elisa, for your time. Thank you. So that's uh, Elisa Birnbaum. She is with Sea Change Magazine. The website is seachangemagazine.com. You can go on and uh, read some of the stories and the articles that they've posted. It's really interesting. After the break, I've got your chance to win a $200 gift card to Key Modern Japanese Restaurant. This is downtown Toronto. And uh, you might be wondering, what is there to do in Arizona besides the Super Bowl? You might be surprised. There's a lot. I'm Pei Chen in for Vinnie White tonight. I'm back uh, next week as well as he's on vacation. PeiChen.com is where you can go to find out more and also to catch podcasts of the show. Taking a quick break here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. You're listening to The Pei Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. I'm Pei Chen in for Vinny White tonight until 10 p.m. Vinny is on holiday. You can always tweet me at Pei Chen. Website, PeiChen.com. You can also find podcasts there and in uh, iTunes as well. Now, a lot of people are counting down to next weekend. And many of them will be making their way to Phoenix, Arizona for the Super Bowl. And that means the areas around Phoenix will also be busier than usual. And if you're thinking of a warm weather getaway this winter, you know what? It may not have been top of mind, but uh, Scottsdale, Arizona has really beautiful weather. And I know this because I was a guest of the uh, Scottsdale Convention and Visitors Bureau back in October. I had a chance to go there my first time in Arizona and uh, spend a few days there and take a look around. And I was really very pleasantly surprised. Uh, On the line, I have Laura McMurchie, who is the VP of Communications for the Scottsdale CVB. Hi, Laura. Hi, Pei. How are you? I am doing well. Are you like on Super Bowl countdown now? We are. The Pro Bowl is actually happening right now um, out here in Arizona mm-hmm. and downtown Scottsdale, downtown Phoenix are all just mad already this weekend. So already? One, one big party. Yeah. Wow. Yes. People kind of come in from the Pro Bowl, the teams, at least the Seahawks got in today. So yeah, it's, it's started. So now how are preparations going? Because obviously you've been like ramping up for this. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is years in the making, mm-hmm. so everything is coming together great, and the weather forecast looks good. Today we were sitting around 23 Celsius, so not too bad. That sounds amazing. Um, so I, I read a couple of things, including, like, in terms of all the people who are flocking to, you know, Phoenix and the Scottsdale area, they're obviously there. They're going to – they need a place to stay. They, they're they looking for places to eat. Um, I saw that there was, like, this house rental that was going for $30,000. 
Yeah, like on a VRBO type of yeah. uh, plan. And uh, I did actually just check it out right before our call, and it looks like it's still out there. So if anyone's <laughs> got a 30 grand to drop, it's available for you. <laughs> it's a pretty beautiful house. Um, lo- obviously, lots of options there. Now, you are you're already getting a lot of visitors as we you know get closer to Super Bowl Sunday, but um, I know that for people who are visiting, there's a lot more to do in Scottsdale than you know the Super Bowl if they decide to go after next week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is you know one big super season for us, which really kicked off in the beginning of the year. But the, these next five months are really our prime season. So obviously, as we talked about, the weather is fantastic. We average about 330 days of sunshine a year, so there is great hiking and outdoor experiences as you know great hiking so well i was just going to say (laughs) my my first hiking experience was camelback mountain when i was there. yes and and we found out that you were quite the mountain goat so thanks it was a lot of fun but yeah there are all kinds of hikes there are you know hot air balloon trips there's great dining downtown scottsdale is super pedestrian friendly so there's great family activities as well as some of that that party scene as well. And I didn't realize um, until I read a little bit more about Scottsdale that it's a very popular golf destination. Absolutely. The Scottsdale area has more than 200 golf courses. So Scottsdale proper has uh, just a few over 50, and then the surrounding area included, we've got more than 200. And this week kicks off the Waste Management Phoenix Open, which is the most highly attended, most watched tournament on the PGA circuit. So, wow. for example, last year they set a record at having more than something like 560,000 people over the four days of the tournament. This year, because of the because of Super Bowl, because of Tiger Woods playing in the Phoenix Open again, oh they expect more than 600,000 people just for the golf tournament. And the tournament culminates on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, that's a lot of things happening at one time. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of people visiting there, too. And another thing I did not realize until I visited Scottsdale uh, was that like, when I told people I was going, I didn't know what to expect. I thought desert, you know, cactus, you know, it's probably kind of nice. But I didn't realize how lush uh, Scottsdale is. And also, when I said the word Scottsdale to a lot of my friends, one of the first things they said was, it has the most beautiful spas. <laughs> that, I, that, this is true. And I yeah, thought, but really? in, in terms of the desert, I mean, that is something that completely surprises people. I mean, mm. it's the thing that we feel like differentiates us from other destinations. But if you don't have any preconceived notion of what the Sonoran Desert is, you, you're not sure what to picture. And we are the most lush desert in the world. So um, we do have, you know, a lot of different types of plant life. And it is, you know, far greener than most people expect. And as you mentioned, we've got fantastic spas. And because we've got so much sunshine... There are so many spots that really play on that indoor-outdoor use of space, so where you can actually get your treatment outside looking at the Medellin you know, mountains. So I, I just throw that out as an option because, you know, for people who want to be really active, there's all that great hiking, golfing, and biking. But then sometimes you just want to be pampered a little bit. Some are really nice. So it's got sort of the best of both worlds. Absolutely. You can sit poolside all you want. Uh, and also um, top, top-notch food and uh, restaurants there, too. Yeah, I think that is another thing that really surprises people. But uh, we're a very young city and a very transient city and state. So we're made up a lot of uh, with a lot of people who've moved from other places. And they really kind of brought their food affinities from other destinations. So 
Um, and because we're such a tourist destination as well, people come here from their top dining cities and they expect the, the food to be of that same level. So we also have the Scottsdale Culinary Institute, which is a Cordon Bleu accredited culinary institute, as well as a number of other culinary schools. So we really do kind of breed some of you know the best in the biz here in Scottsdale. And I didn't realize that um, on, you know people from Ontario actually make up a large portion of your visitors. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, gone are the days where just all the western provinces go to Arizona and the eastern provinces go to Florida. There's a lot more of that kind of um, cross-pollination across um, east-west, and we've got such tremendous air service, so it makes it really easy to, you know, hop on a five-hour flight from Ontario and get to Phoenix Sky Harbor. And Phoenix is right next door to Scottsdale, as you kind of mentioned. So downtown Phoenix to downtown Scottsdale is a mere nine-mile drive. It's everything is so close. It's it's great. It's fantastic. So Laura, where are you going to watch the Super Bowl? Um, probably from my couch. Yeah, that's good. I think that's smart. <laughs> it's going to be a busy, busy week. So yeah, I'm not really sure where the, the week will take me. I'll be out at the Phoenix Open on Sunday prior to Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So it's just going to be action packed for sure. Oh yeah, I bet it's going to be a busy week for you. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat tonight. Yes, of course. And uh, enjoy your week and uh, the Super Bowl and everything else. <laughs> Thanks so much. We hope to see you and uh, a lot of other Canadians in the next few months. Absolutely. That's uh, Laura McMurchie. She's the VP of Communications for the Scottsdale CVB. And uh, it was in the mid-20s there today, which sounds pretty great because we're in the minus 20s today. A little sad. Uh, But to warm you up, I will be giving away that $200 gift card to Key Modern Japanese Restaurant. And that will warm your bellies. Also, they've got a new uh, sake and sochu a program that's been happening right now on Friday night. So they're always changing things up there. And I'll tell you how you can win that just after this quick break. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. More with Pay Chen on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Uh, thanks for tuning in. I'm Pei Chen in for Vinnie White. Until 10, and also in for Vinny next weekend as well as he's away. Ed Keenan is in studio. He's going to join me in a minute. Uh, but I am going to give away that $200 gift card to Key Modern Japanese and Bar. They are at 181 Bay Street, which is at Bay and Wellington, very close to Union Station. And uh, I will have perhaps Elliot take the third caller through. Um, there's no skill testing question. Apparently the last question I asked before was a little confusing. I didn't think it was that much, but it was apparently, Elliot told me. <laughs> but uh, third caller through, I just want you to tell, I want you to tell me about your favorite Japanese food because this is a Japanese restaurant. I would hope that the person who wins uh, would enjoy that type of food, perhaps enjoy little sake and sochu as well. So uh, Key Modern Japanese and Bar, they have started a new uh, sake and sochu night on Friday starting at 7. And they've also got the great food that pairs with the drinks. And each week they change the theme of the sake and sochu. So that's kind of fun. It means if you, you know, live nearby or happen to head down there more than once, you'll have a different experience. And that's always carefully selected by, they actually have their own national sake sommelier. And that's Michael Tremblay, a great guy. So if you want really beautiful Japanese food and some carefully paired beverages, then that might be something you want to check out. So again, $200 gift card. And then I'll let Elliot tell me when he's got someone on the line and we'll see 
Uh, we'll see how it happens. We'll see. Are you chatting with someone, Elliot? Maybe. <laughs> I want to know in the meantime, what was the confusing <laughs> question you asked last time? I asked, thank you, Ed Keenan is joining me now, who's on at 10 p.m. Um, I had given away another dinner for two before the, right. uh, I guess, just before nine. Hey, we have someone. We do? Okay, great. And um, <laughs> I'd asked what the sister restaurant was to the Harvard Room, because we've been talking to oh, the chef. okay, all, right. And it was T-H-R and Co. Okay. But I think, but people reversed the letters, and I, I said it quite quickly, so perhaps uh, it was okay. a little unfair. So I thought this time I'd make it easy. We have someone on the line. Okay. Do you put them on? Yes, here they are, Pay. This is Larry. Hey, Larry. Hello. Uh, hello. Hi, where are you calling from? Uh, right, Toronto. Toronto. Uh, Larry, have you ever been to Key, this restaurant I'm talking about? No, no, wow. I haven't. I was saying earlier, um, I, I lived in Vancouver, so I got a little oh. bit of knowledge about Japanese food. Yeah, and you're a fan, huh? Oh, yeah. Curran beers. Uh, sake, I don't know too much, but curran beers and some quail eggs with tuna. Mm. Nice. Sounds good. Well, you might be able to learn a lot more about sake because their sommelier is quite, uh, quite talented. Are you a sake drinker, Ed? Uh, no. Well, nope. I'm not a drinker at all anymore. I used yeah. to be a sake drinker as well as you just an everything drinker. An everything drinker. <laughs> so now, now yeah. not anymore. So now I've had my fill. But but uh, a sake sommelier will uh, make you a sake drinker, I think. Yeah, and they'll actually pair the, the good stuff. Uh, well, Larry, congratulations. You've won the $200 gift card. Wow. I Thank you. You're welcome. I, it, you know what? That will afford you a very nice dinner for at least like, you know, you and one or two other people. So enjoy yes, it. Exactly. Stay on the line, and uh, Elliot will take down your info, okay? So we can get you the information. We can get that card out to you. Thank you very much, Miss Pay. No problem. He called me Miss Pay. You know what? I. <laughs> that is very polite. Uh, Ed, this week I had. Um... Yeah, don't call me Mr. Ed. <laughs> Mr. That's Ed. the thing, because it has a whole different feeling to it. In I'm... grade nine, everybody used to call me Mr. Really? Ed. They called you yeah. Mr. Ed because of the horse? It was on reruns, right? Yeah. yeah the, the whole horse thing. And then a couple guys started calling me horse all the time. Oh, that's... Which then seemed like one of these weird nicknames, right? Because then people would be like, hey, why do they call you a horse? Yeah. And you're like, like did you, how did you respond? Never with a nay, right? Nay. I just count with my just... foot. See, that's the, like, trigger, I guess. I met uh, <laughs> a, a young, uh, actually, she's five, a five-year-old girl this week. I had sushi with her. So she, I know you've got young mm. kids at home. So yeah. I did a kid show called Foursquare, which is still on TV. I know. I so, see it all the time. I'm so sorry. Um, so <laughs> her mother is someone that uh, I've dealt with a bit over the past 10 years. Her mother is a publicist. And so I got a very random text uh, or email from her earlier this week. And she said, hi, uh, Alexa and I are watching TV. Uh, you're on. And she, I told her you're a friend of mine. She got very excited. So I, I wrote back and I said, well, tell her I said hi. And then she wrote back, and it was in quotes. So Alexa had dictated an email to her mother. I've never met okay. Alexa. And the email said, I really like your show, Pay. Do you want to go out for sushi sometime? And, and I wrote back. I said, how old is she? Because I thought maybe Alexa's 13. And she right. said, oh, she's almost six. I said, she eats sushi? She said, yeah, sushi's her favorite food. And then, so this is the thing, Ed. When a yeah, five-year-old my... asks you out for sushi... You go out then for sushi. Then you gotta go out for sushi. We went out for sushi. And did you go to this place? Uh, no, we With went to another sama, place. Sama I, I did not it, give the girl any sake. You gotta get a five-year-old started uh, on the right course. Yeah, get her started off right. Um, but so she called me Miss Pay. Okay. Yeah, which was very formal, and I thought, well, you don't yeah. really have to. But her mom wanted go. her to. Like that was her being very polite. See, my kids, my kids are eight, six, and three. But sushi is among their favorite foods. Really? Too. That's uh, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, they love it. Uh, and my eight-year-old, like, if if he could just have sashimi, yeah, 
then that's wow. what he would have. He loves the salmon and the tuna. He loves the and, raw fish. Yeah, just, that's just the raw fish. a different level of sushi. Uh, whereas uh, the three-year-old is a huge fan of, like, any kind of roll, right? Yeah. She likes smacky. And and then Irene, the six-year-old, she'll eat anything. But That's great. But yeah, so, yeah. The, but that's, I mean, I, I think... I think when I was growing up here in Toronto, yeah. sushi was kind of exotic. It was like this new thing to Toronto, and it was like a yuppie food and it was yes. kind of fancy. Uh, but it seems like with my kids, it's just like, oh yeah, it's one of those things you get. And uh, you can get it at the grocery so store, even yeah. right. So it's almost like it's the the it's another form of like. And quick the girls, food. my little girls, six yeah. and three, they love eating the pickled ginger. Oh, I love that <laughs> Which, too. But that's yeah, a strong taste for a child. But it seems like child. a strong flavor for a kid. That's uh, I was surprised when they really liked that. But yeah, they, they all eat it all, like by the handful. Which is, I mean, I I take it in. <laughs> you small take a little doses. bite. Yeah. like a stringer is really strong. It's mm-hmm. really potent. Uh, have they accidentally eaten wasabi? No, not yet. Oh, we somehow okay. managed to not have them. I mean, th- sometimes they'll get a bit of the wasabi that's under the fish. Right, in, right. In the sushi, uh, yeah. but. But they've never accidentally eaten the big green ball of. of oh, thank God! Because yeah. that's a terrible experience. <laughs> yeah, no, it will them be, right and it's probably still in my future. There's probably some time when a kid's going to eat it. Well, point, they have but... very advanced palates. I think that's very impressive. Um, what's coming up on your show? Uh, we got a few different things. But Sean McAuliffe, who is a friend of mine, a Toronto writer, he's an editor, co-owner of Spacing Magazine. Uh, and a columnist at the Toronto Star, as of course I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he wrote a column this weekend about what he thinks is a problem in Toronto is our village fixation. He thinks we need to ban this idea, the, this this name village, right? That we, we kind Beacon of... Field Village and oh. Bloor Court Village. And, uh, that we take Church little neighborhoods, village. right? And we, we give them little the, defining yeah, borders. But we live in the big city, yes. is his point, uh, I think. I'll talk yeah. to him about it. Um and and we somehow seem to be apologizing for that or trying to run away for that by saying, well, no, no, but my neighborhood's like a village. It's like a village. And it's like, well, yeah, no, but you got a subway there yeah. and you've got a high rise apartment towers and you've got, you know, yeah. takeout sushi joints. This my is not village, a village has the Trump Hotel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. So uh, so he's all about embracing the big city and mm-hmm. uh, banishing the the village idiots, I guess. Oh. So he'll be on the show uh, just after ten thirty to talk to me about that concept a little bit more and why yeah. he thinks it's more than. I mean, it's one of those things that there are a lot of things in the city where you look around and you think, why are we doing that so much? But he yeah. he thinks there's an underlying sort of uh, way we think about the city that that we should shift uh, with that. So he'll be he'll be on the show after ten thirty to explain that. Um, and after, off the top uh, of the show, I'm going to talk about a couple different things that I wrote about in my column in The Star this week. Uh, one is about hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you read this story where a, a family who had a front yard hockey rink in Ajax, they have a pool in their backyard, so they couldn't put one, yes. uh, but has been ordered to remove this yes. rink from their front yard because it doesn't conform with the aesthetics uh, bylaws, the appearance. So it was basically bylaws. a neighbor who complained, Some right? Some neighbor complained yeah. that it was ugly. Mm-hmm. And so they've been ordered to remove it. And I think that's absurd. I think uh, it is too. I think it's, uh, I mean, I uh, there was a story earlier that I talked about in November, I think, mm-hmm. over the Christmas break when I was filling in for Jim Richards, uh, where, where a family in Cornwall had been asked to remove uh, their backyard rink. Uh, there was another story out of Sherbrooke, Quebec, with a family, and it's always these bylaw enforcement officers. Right. And it it seems to me like there's a really 
proud and, to me, treasured Canadian tradition mm-hmm. uh, behind outdoor hockey in general and the sort of the, the home rink uh, in specific that, that we're throwing away over the stupidest kind of laws we shouldn't have anyway that allow nosy neighbors to dictate, like, how your front lawn should look or your is backyard it, should uh, look. Uh, is it at all a safety concern or is more of it, is it basically the aesthetic? It's not like- not in Ajax. Um, I mean, every case is different that you hear about popping mm-hmm. up in the news. But in Cornwall, again, it wasn't really a safety concern, but it was a liability concern to some extent. Because theirs was a, on, on, on the side corner lot and it extended one foot onto the public right of way. Oh, now it had I one see. more meter tall boards on it. So right. it's not as if somebody's gonna slip and fall by accident. They'd have to climb over the boards. But because it was extended onto the city's right of way, so what appeared to be her property, but was mm-hmm. but you know, officially is, okay. is, you know, she has to mow the lawn there. She has right. to take care of it, but the city has the right to use it. Uh, for whatever then the city's lawyers were concerned, well, if somebody gets hurt there, they can sue the city. Uh, but in, in Ajax, that's not the concern at all. In Ajax, and, I, and I'll just explain it a little more detail on mm-hmm. the show, but in Ajax, it's just uh, aesthetic grounds. It just, it's, it's somebody saying, appearance. I don't like how I it don't looks. I don't like how that looks. That rink is ugly. Those kids out there having fun laughing. Those kids getting exercise yeah. and not playing video games and playing that's, Canada sport. Can't have that's that. That's terrible. There goes the neighborhood. Yeah. Well, that's like, you know, when people complain about street hockey, because that's what I grew up with, right? Yeah. It was like all the kids playing, you know, car, and then, you know, you'd move yeah. your, your posts and stuff. And uh, and I know that it, it people cracked out like this they shouldn't be allowed to do that uh, on the street it it's dangerous and it uh, you know it well and in much motorists. of toronto there are signs all over the place that say ball hockey playing prohibited and mm-hmm. councillor josh matlow tried to change those rules and the city's lawyers were like no 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 you can't do that you can't no 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 oh boo we're just <sighs> sucking all the fun out of life that's what lawyers do yeah that's that's their job <laughs> yeah, it is uh, well, thank you so much, Ed. Uh, so Ed Keenan is Thanks, coming Ms. up. Thanks, Pay. Oh, Mr. Ed. <laughs> it's always a pleasure. <laughs> I, I can't make a good horse sound. You, you can practice. You've got time. <laughs> uh, so that's Ed Keenan. He's coming up at 10 p.m. Thanks for tuning in tonight. I'm Pei Chen. And I'll be back next weekend for Vinny as well. PayChen.com if you want to uh, take a listen to a podcast or two or... Maybe you tweet me on Twitter at PayChen. Have a great night, everyone. Yeah.